Well, good morning and welcome to the Men's Leadership Network. Happy Thursday morning to everyone here, everybody watching live at home and everybody meeting us, uh, meeting with us at satellite campuses. Welcome to all of you. Welcome to everybody at Flavor Catering, uh, downtown Nashville, Highway 55 in Nolensville, and then of course at Bricks and Cool Springs. Good morning. Uh, as always, we're going to go for an interview process here, about 30, 35 minutes. And then if we're going to pause and take questions. So if you have questions this morning for Chase or for Nick or for Jeff, you can, do, you can get those to us in two ways. You can tweet those in. The Twitter handle is at leadership underscore net, or you can email them in at questions at mensleadershipnetwork.com. For most of us, the greatest job we will ever have is being a parent. It is a job marked by incredible responsibility and remarkable joy. Today we are joined by Chase Baker and Nick Allen, two men have, who have dedicated their careers to helping parents own their role as spiritual leaders in their homes. Together they have more than 35 years experience serving the local church. Chase is now the family pastor here at Rolling Hills. He received his undergraduate degree from Middle Tennessee State University and his master's from Rockbridge Seminary. He's been married 11 years to Courtney, and they're proud parents of Kit. Nick serves as our discipleship pastor here at Rolling Hills. He has an undergraduate degree in applied communications and a master's of arts in Christian education. His passion is to teach and develop ideas to see God's word come alive in people regardless of their stage in life. Nick and his wife Susan have been married 17 years and are proud parents to Lily Kate, Nora Blake, and Simon. Please join me in welcoming Chase Baker and Nick oh, Allen. Old dude. Way to go. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> well, guys, thanks for joining us today. And uh, you guys really have dedicated your careers to uh, helping parents and families. And so why are you so passionate about this? About parenting? Parenting. Um, I think first it's because we're dads. Yeah. And I think it just... You are too. So you're yeah. passionate about parenting. As a dad, you know that it's part of your call, um, that God has uniquely wired us to be responsible for somebody else. Mm. Um, and right at the beginning, I mean, Adam and Eve were commanded to be fruitful and to multiply and to subdue the earth. And that was uh, part of their call was to procreate and to fill it up with extra people. Mm. Um, and, and that call to pass faith on to those people um, has been present from the beginning of time. And so it's just a responsibility. As pastors, um, it has to be a passion. It's just kind of a job requirement because you know that more than half of the people that you're leading, their number one priority in life is these kids that God has given them and raising them. And so for that to be their priority, it has to be on your mind. It has mm -hmm. to be something that you're thinking about. Yeah. And, and for for me, I was a student pastor for 14 years. You were a student yeah. pastor. You were a student pastor. And so for me, later on, I also saw how students can get derailed. Mm -hmm. and, and also, um, I don't think parents intentionally do this, but sometimes we'll take the back seat and get off course. And then you see um, students are left to kind of navigate and try to figure things out. And so the me need for me to be passionate about, hey, I want to invest in parents to help them um, with their teenagers too, and that, that uh, of course, then I thought, okay, this doesn't start with teenagers. This starts way early on yeah. um, in parenthood. And also, it's a high calling um, for us uh, to be parents. You know, it, 
Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9, uh, you remember it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And it gives a command to the community of faith, to the church. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. These are the commands I give to you today to be on your hearts. And then he gives a specific command. Impress them on your children. That's a hot calling for the church to rally around parents to be able to, for them to impress them on their children. It gives you four different ways to do that. Whenever you sit down at home, whenever you walk along the road, whenever you lie down, and whenever you get up. Those are key moments throughout our day where we, we can pour into our kids about how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm. So, yeah. We just want to help parents win at that. Yeah. So, yeah. Along the way. So good. So good. Well, I, I tell you, I love being a dad. I know you guys do too because, yeah, yeah you have yeah. great kids. And it's just there's, there's something amazing about being a dad yeah. and thinking about that. Um, but I know you guys work with a lot of families, and, and there's always challenges, right? Oh, yeah. So, so what are some of the challenges you think families face even today? Well, schedules. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, one of the things that I hear most of all whenever I talk to parents, how are you? Busy. Mm. Busy. I even talk to teenagers. Teenagers are the same way. I say, well, how are you doing? We're busy. And so we see that schedules, uh, more times, uh, what it's, it's hard because our schedules tend to control us instead of us controlling our schedules. And we think about work, school, play, um, all the, the different activities we have to balance and manage. And, and we have to gather around as a, as a family and say, okay, What's going to help us be the healthiest mm. as a family? What's going to help us to grow spiritually as a family? And you, you begin to list those things out as a family. And unfortunately, sometimes the, as you start to prioritize things, the thing that you need the most end up getting cut first. first. Uh, the, the, um, the daily um, time with the Lord. Yeah. You know, the, the, our our prayer time, uh, maybe church participation, because we believe the church is the, the hope of the world. Mm. Um, and those things get cut. So it, it takes a family to try to say, okay, let's all get together. Let's l- just throw our, our plans out on a board and let's say, okay, what will help our family the best um, to be healthy and to, to help us spiritually and grow spiritually and grow up disciples who are going to be passionate about Jesus. Um, I think that another thing is not only schedules, media. I mean, um, this is, I feel like, an obvious one. And did you know that teenagers um, spend an average of nine hours a day on their devices? Now, I think that that's not just about teenagers. It's more than most I, people's work day. That's yeah. right. I think uh, adults struggle with this and prioritize this. In 2007, um, iPhone uh, or Apple came out with the first iPhone. So there's, uh, we're 10 years into it, right? Um, there's been studies that show that, that, that 10-year-olds are, are fighting um, more for their parents' attention now than they did the 10 years prior to 2007, mm. just because the, the need mm. to be, and parents are struggling too, to set boundaries for ourselves 
whenever it comes to media, whenever it comes to our, our phones and our devices, because our work and, and our lives tend to be on that. So it's, it's trying to set boundaries around that so you can teach your kids about um, good ways to, to be able to set boundaries for themselves. And sometimes we have to, obviously, we have to set boundaries for them with the model it yeah. as well. Part of it is, I don't know if parents, we as parents have have abdicated this responsibility or if culture has taken it away from us. But we don't feel permission as parents and to control our kids' schedules. Mm-hmm. We've got to keep up with the flow. If other kids are doing sports or dance or extracurricular activities five and six days a week, then, then we feel like our kids have to do it too. And we don't feel like there's this right that we have as moms and dads and responsibility to say, no, like yeah. we're gonna we're gonna do our family differently because we're seeing um, a bigger picture. Something um, when you talk about challenges, I I think that you kind of have to talk um, those that are unique to both girls and boys, and and that matters to us because mm-hmm. we're sitting up here um, seven kids between the three of us, yeah. and six are girls. Mm-hmm. No, no eight, it's six, seven yeah. kids between us, and only one boy, yeah. um, and that's kind of weird because there are more boys born in the world. Um, and the funny thing about that is there have to be more boys born in the world because infant mortality rate is higher for boys and the overall mortality rate is higher for men. And so in order for the population to stay hovering somewhere near 50-50, there have to be more boys born. Um, but these girls that we have, they face maybe not more significant challenges, but more unique challenges. Um, 50% more girls um, attempt suicide. Now, boys are more successful um, as teenagers of taking their own life, and I don't know if that's just an aggression or a willingness to follow through in that moment, but more girls attempt suicide. More girls um, uh, clinically declare battles with um, depression. Um, More girls struggle with eating disorders. 42% of girls first through third grade want to be thinner. First through third grade, they they already declare, I I need to be thinner. Um, uh, 10% of high school females um, have engaged in some sort of same-sex activity where only 5% of males, um, and in nearly every type of sexually transmitted disease, um, 15 to 19-year-old girls report nearly twice as many infections as boys. So there are unique challenges facing um, girls, just in general, just this pressure, this image, this identity. And that shouldn't be a surprise to us because right at the beginning, the servant started with Eve. Yeah. Like the enemy has been after girls from the beginning. Um, and we have a responsibility and a call, not just as parents. This is not just a parenting thing. This is a unique to dads thing. Um, because in every single one of those like horrible, scary, bad statistics, um, it, it's reported that the presence um, and the activity of a father it is a top deterrent for any of those things. Um, so if we want to have kids that are thriving, if we want to have kids that are not sexually active, if we want to have kids that are um, not feeling pressured to look a certain way and who engage in eating, then the presence of a father is the thing that kind of helps do that. Last year, our kids minister, um, Kenley, she released this resource and it's, it just came online a couple of months ago. Um, this idea called DOD, and we call it Dads of Daughters. Um, and it, it's aptly named after the Department of Defense because that's one of the things we do as dads. And so the challenges that are facing our kids, we act as a defense um, for those things. And Chase and I both had an opportunity kind of to blog in that and to speak into the unique challenges facing girls and what we need to do as dads of daughters 
to help them thrive spiritually. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, part it's of, a big deal. Part of what I, I believe our, our goal is to help parents. We, we outsource. We, you talk about this yeah. all the time. We outsource a lot of things in life. Oh, yeah. Piano. We had, you know, how to play baseball, yeah. how, to, how to do schoolwork, all these things. And, and, and it's so easy to outsource faith as well. It's so easy to say, okay, I'm going to drop them off. Um, to kids space, which we have an awesome kids program. Yeah. We have an awesome student ministry in preschool, um, but it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to outsource faith. And what we're trying to come along and say, look, we can't, we can't. If we're going to teach biblical truths, it has to come through the parent. The, 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 they spend more time, yeah. right? We, we have, what, an hour, maybe two, mm-hmm. um, if, if we're lucky, maybe three mm-hmm. um, hours a week. Um, parents are obviously... A whole lot more. So, um, so we we try to do is say, look, that's not something you you, you should outsource. Yeah, is yeah. It, your faith is something that you should insource and, and be a part of your your daily wow. living. Just listening, to, I mean, to these statistics, I mean, kind of sombering. I mean, it's like, oh my goodness, you know. And uh, but what about being a godly father? You know, what about the importance of? I, I'm just so thankful that all these guys are here today. I'm so yeah. thankful that the guys are watching this and. And uh, soberness could just like impact us or weigh us down, but at the same time, there's something about God put us in a home for a reason, mm-hmm. for a purpose. So, talk about the importance of a godly father in the home. The it's dads make a difference mm-hmm. um, when you talk about like um, kids and young men who are incarcerated. It's always the presence and the activity of a father. Um, that could have made a difference when you talk about teenage um, drug abuse and violence. Like, um, it, it's, these aren't even Christian statistics. These are right. just like American statistics. Like um, back in the, the Bush administration, George W., they created this whole National Institute on Fatherhood. Mm-hmm. They're just looking at, like, like we're just trying to figure out what is the role of a man in the home and why is it so important? And they found exactly what we would know and what we would determine from Scripture is that the presence of a father makes a difference. Yeah. Um, that there is a, a special, unique role for a mom in the life of a child, and we know that. Um, but the dad's role is so um, so important. I mean, mm. it is the thing that makes a difference in every single one of those, like the scary stats, the things that we want to protect our kids from, the things that we want to prevent in their lives. Um, a dad's decision to be the spiritual leader in the home um, has a lasting impact on kids for generations. And so that's, that's why it's important to be a godly father. Yeah. Um, from right out of the gate, we want to invest in our kids and we want what's best for them. You can ask any brand new dad. He just, he wants the best for his kids. Well, the best for your kids is for you to engage the Word of God and to be a spiritual leader in your home and to figure out what it's going to take for you to know God and to pass that faith. Yeah, it's, it's, it was that way for me. Uh, my dad was um, there to teach me about love and sacrifice and grace, and, and he has had a profound impact on my life, just like mm-hmm. your dad had. Mm-hmm. And so um, a father's decision to be a spiritual leader and make faith a priority changes our family dramatically. Mm. It, it does. It has a lasting effect. It changes our, our kids forever. Um, and, and what I think is that our parenting is our kids' primary connection to understanding love and grace. Mm. If we want our little girls to understand their identity is not defined by the things of this world, but in Christ, 
then it's my, my job as a parent to lean into my relationship with Christ so that I look more like him every day. If we want our kids to serve others, that's a characteristic of a godly man, mm. a, a godly father to serve others. To my, we want, uh, and for me, this is convicting because I've got to model the behavior that I want to see for my kids. Absolutely. And so if we want them to have confidence in the Lord, if we've got to be that example mm. for them. Um, I was talking to Nick earlier. I was like, man, I, my dad did. I mean, growing up, I, I knew that my dad loved us and cared for us and he wanted to teach us truth and, and, and you don't really appreciate it until you get older, right? You have kids of your own. You have kids yeah. of your own. And, and just because um, you move out of the house doesn't mean you quit parenting your kids. You still parent your kids even when they're grown. And the, a good example is last year, um, Courtney and I went through a difficult time. And uh, I remember on June 3rd, 23rd or 21st, we got a diagnosis that Kit had biliary atresia. And, and talk about... Um, rocking our world we didn't know what to do and uh and so they released us from the hospital to go home because she had a major surgery a couple of days later and um they were like get some rest at home it's going to be a long journey and so i got home and i'm i'm trying to keep it together right i'm i'm like i'm spiritual leader i'm the man of the house i've got to be strong for courtney i've got to be strong for kit and i got home and i went out in the porch the back porch, and uh, I called. I called my dad, and uh, and so uh, I, I said, "Dad, I really, I don't know what to do." And uh, and there was a there was a pause, and he prayed with me on the phone, and he after that he said, "Well, what do you need?" And I couldn't say anything, like it was. I was, there was quiver in my voice. I was so emotional. And um, he said, I know what you need. And so an hour later, he knocked on the door and he showed up. His presence meant everything. And just the, throughout the past year, them showing up to the hospital, um, um, uh, spending um, money um, to help with the care of kids, those type of things, what those taught me is that a godly father um, demonstrates sacrificial love. Mm. A godly father is all about servant leadership. And so over the past year, I, I believe that's kind of the, the top two mm. things that, that my dad, um, and there's, there's studies show that re religiosity is linked to a higher quality of parent-child relationship. And the good thing is that Christianity is not about a religion, it's mm. about a relationship. Yeah. How much more powerful is the impact that, that my, my child will be attached to a father that has a relationship with the Heavenly Father to be able to teach them what, what this means? And, and so. You hit on two things, you know, because mm. when Jesus was asked, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, prayer had been going on forever. You know, they had been communicating with God for generations. Mm. Um, but his disciples said, teach us to pray. And, and Jesus invited those, the, those men, those people around him to call God Father. 
Like that's, it's huge. Like, and we can say what we want to say about, you know, the, the Bible being patriarchal or, or men focused and gender specific, but we've been invited to view God as a heavenly father. Mm. And, and the other thing that you kind of hit on, and that's the reason it's important to be a godly father. Um, my kids don't have phones, but when they do, I want to be the first call. Mm. And that's it. Like that's, that's not the story for every man at Rolling Kills, and we know that. That's right. not the story for every man in the world. A lot of us have grown up with um, dads who weren't, where, you know, as a 30 and 40 year old dad who's struggling, your dad's not your first. That's what I want. Like mm-hmm. when, when Lily Kate is on a porch at her house, you know, miles away, wherever, I want to be the first call. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's important. You want to be the first call. Oh, yeah. When those girls are off yeah. at college or when those girls are having their first big job moment where it's kind of like, dad, I don't know what to do, my boss, whatever, whatever that is, you want to be that first phone call. Yeah. Um, being a godly dad makes that happen. So I want that. How, how do we, because this is so important for all of us, right? But, so how do we not miss that? Because I think that what can happen is we get caught up with the career, we get caught up on our phones, we get caught up, and so we, we're at home, but we're really not present at home, oh, yeah. you know? How, how, do we, how do we not miss this moment, right? It just takes hard work. I mean, that's yeah. like, we don't, you can't sugarcoat any of this and yeah. to say that there's an autopilot or there's an easy way or there's some kind of cool step that you can take and all of a sudden you're magically this amazing dad um, that you just have to engage. You know, if you, if you want to be physically fit, you got to get out there and do something. If you want to be spiritually fit, you got to get in the word and do something. If you want to be fit as a dad, you got to get out there and do something. One of the things Chase kind of hit on at the, at the beginning is in student ministry, you see a lot of moments where it got off track. Mm. And Chase and I were driving somewhere a couple of years ago. We were going to look at new camps and uh, we just took a wrong turn. And it was about an hour before we realized, well, if you drive an hour off yeah. course, that takes two hours of your life to get back. You're, you're two hours late for an appointment now or for a scheduled meeting. And Here's the deal. It took us an hour before we even realized that we weren't on the right route. Um, and, and so one of the big challenges for dads is to just be so engaged that you're aware. Right. We're going to get off track. Mm. Like, we're going to take wrong turns. That's a given. Mm. Um, but we want to realize quickly. Uh, we want to realize swiftly, hey, mm. we're off track. Let's get back on course. Right. Um, we have been putting together a resource for parents at Rolling Kills that's going to come out in August. We have a parenting conference for both moms and dads um, that's, that talks about that. Like, how do you stay on course through the 18, 20, 25? You know, you never stop parenting. Mm. Um, one of the things that we kind of highlight in that that's really important overall is you've got to have other dads and other men and other right. people in your life to help you stay on track. Like, cause none of us do this alone. Right. Um, and so I, I need other voices in my kids' lives. I need other voices in my life. Um, so that's how you stay engaged. You have somebody else in your life saying, are you, yeah. are you plugged in? Are you, are you putting the phone down? Are you spending time at home? Right. Are you working too hard? Are you traveling too much? Hey, you've been on the road a lot lately. Why is that? What can you do to make that different? And, and for a lot of dads, it has to be that way. It's just a career, a calling, a vocation, and the world is what the world is. Um, it's not necessarily the quantity of time, it's the quality of time that you spend with your kids yeah. that counts. And so how do you make the most of the time that you have along the ways? And that takes work. Yeah. It and takes being, effort and being accountability. You've oh, got to yeah. be intentional about it. Just because you're present 
<laughs> just because you have presence doesn't mean you're present. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, yeah. You can be, be around your kids, yeah. but you can be completely disengaged from them. And, and, you know, even when we go out, and Courtney and I, whenever we go out to, to dinner, yeah. it's easy to, to pull out your device. <laughs> you're both there. You're both there. <laughs> Face to face. Instead of instead of really communicating. Yeah. And, and so that's that's a, a thing of intentionality. We've got to be aware. Mm. Be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of the relationship um, than, than the things that, that you see on your device. So. I love how you're talking about that, Nick, too, about you know, needing other men. That's the oh, church, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So how does the church partner with us in helping us raise godly kids? How does, how does the church come alongside? Because it's not the church. You were talking about that earlier, Chase, about Deuteronomy. It's not just the church's responsibility, it's but it's a partnership there, isn't it? Absolutely. The, uh, you know, the church's role is, is not to teach our kids um, everything they need to know about the Bible. We know that's the parents' role. You know, we, we want to equip parents to fulfill their function as godly parents. So equipping um, and encouraging. I think one of the things that really we know makes the most, like a parent who is just sold out and pressing into Jesus, Mm. um, that's going to trickle out into the rest of our life, including parenting, and make a difference. And so and just ministry in general, we just want to help people know Jesus better. Mm-hmm. We want to help people experience Jesus more because we truly believe that experiencing Christ and knowing the Lord and spending time in his word is going to affect every area of your life. And because we know that, we just want to help moms and dads know Jesus more. Um, one of our heroes, Reggie, I'll call him our hero, Reggie Joyner, you can't have a parenting thing without quoting at least one thing from this guy, Reggie Joyner. Um, he tells us that we're the primary influences in our kids' lives but we're not the only influence in our kid's life. Um, and so one of the things that the church is called to provide is those other voices, those other influences. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be moments, you know, as our kids, you've got a oh, teen yeah. and like yeah. they're hitting those preteen years, like they're going to expand their areas of influence and it's going to start to include friends and other adults and popular culture and social media and, you know, public figures are going to have an influence on who our kids become. Um, as a parent, I want to pick out some of those. Yeah. Like, I want to know that, yeah. you know, there's a lady named Ashley Fox, and she teaches, you know, two of our girls yeah. on small group on Sunday morning. Like, I want to know that as, as Lily Kate gets older, as Mabry gets yeah. older, there's going to be moments when they don't want to go to us. There's going to be moments when they don't want to go to Susan or Lisa. Mm-hmm. Well, we've already got Ashley right That's there. Right. Yeah. You know, we've already got these people that are influencing our kids that are teaching them spiritual truths, and the church provides that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as dads, like, our responsibility is to engage um, so that when our kids get to those moments, they already know, oh, this is an adult that I can ask. Oh, Mr. Gordon, he's our sixth grade small group boy group right. leader. But like, I can ask Mr. Gordon about that, or I can tell him about this struggle that I'm faith. Like, we want those people to already be there. Um, and I think it's our role as disciple makers to provide those people, um, to recruit those volunteers, to train those volunteers, and to call those men and women um, to this corporate investment that we have in all of our kids. Right. We, we have this um, thing in family ministry. We have core truths that we want to teach yeah. our, our kids um, for preschool. God made me. God loves me. Jesus wants to be my friend forever. For middle school, I will follow Jesus because he knows me better than I know myself. Like we have all these for a high schooler. I'm created to pursue an authentic relationship with Jesus. These are things that we go over with our leaders constantly. Um, there are biblical truths that you want to teach to your child. And 
we're just trying to say we have somebody else in their lives that's going to teach them the same biblical truths mm. to be in a reinforcement Reinforce. mm. for you, um, to be able to cast vision for you and, and walk along. We, what we really work hard to do is, that, you know, even in kids' ministry, um, typically they, they follow their, their um, kids up. Mm-hmm. throughout age groups. We do that in student ministry where you start with a sixth grade group and you end, you graduate them out and they have this relationship, build this relationship. We try to do that. We build this relationship. And so the, the, you know, the, they're really seen as partnering with the parent. They're not the primary spiritual influencer. That's the parent. Mm. But they're partnering with the parent to make sure that they are tackling those those hard biblical truths, like Nick was saying, those mm. conversations that they're not going to have with the parent, they're having with, with the, the leader, and the leader is communicating to the parent. Like, that's a beautiful picture it's of what the church is supposed to, supposed to be and supposed to look yeah. like. So do you think it's more difficult to be a dad today than in years past? <laughs> that's such a loaded question. I, I think. <laughs> Thanks. I think, yeah, yeah, good job. Um, I think the obvious answer is going to be the yes answer. I mean, think, oh gosh, things are so much harder on us, and um, social media, like our, our parents didn't have that. Like they didn't have the battle for social media. They didn't have the battle for, you know, devices and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I would, I think you could push me to the point where I say, no, I don't think it's any more challenging. Oh. I, th- I think it's, I think it's always been difficult. Um, you talked about this morning in our, in our Genesis Bible reading, we're reading about um, Jacob and Esau. And you talk about those parents had, had a tough road. Mm. Um, and in the book of Judges, you know, after, after Israel walked through uh, like a sea parted and they walked through to safety uh, out of Egypt and they got manna and quail every day. God gave them a land that they didn't earn and they saw armies fall so that they could occupy this promise of God. And then right at the beginning of the book of Judges, it says a whole generation grew up that did not know the Lord and the things mm-hmm. that he had done. Those parents had it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think our challenges are different and they're unique to us as a generation for sure. Um, and you can make an argument that any of those challenges make it more difficult. Um, but at the end of the day, um, parenting without the active presence of the Holy Spirit in your life has always been a challenge. Yeah. Um, and, and the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life is a daily surrender. And so in the 1930s, people got off course if there wasn't a daily surrender. In the 2030s, people will be getting off course if there's not a daily surrender. And so. I think the challenges are different, um, but I think the difficulty's probably been the same. We'll talk about that for a second because the challenges are different. So how do yeah. we as dads help our kids like with social media, putting boundaries there, helping them understand that? That's, our kids are better at us <laughs> than that stuff. And that becomes a really difficult challenge yeah. too. And you, you know, going back just a little bit, is it, it's difficult, but also life is more complex, I think. Mm-hmm. Now. It's, it's, you know, 20 years ago, I think the word we could use is, is not easier, it's simpler 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, we have, um, 20 years ago, it was more predictable, more simple because our choices were limited. You know, we went to the movies yeah. and there was only two choices oh, for yeah. movies and, and, and they didn't, you, now you can go to the movies and, and there could be the same movie playing in four different theaters at different times and you have a choice to do that. You have Netflix, you have Hulu, you have all this, all these things. Here's what I think more, more choices are called, caused, um, cause more anxiety, mm-hmm. right? And more choices have stopped us from making a choice. It's the, 
you know, paralysis of, of analysis. Like we have so many choices, it's hard to make a choice. That goes for our families too. Like we have so many choices. I feel like I want to tweet that right now. That's good. So, like we should go ahead. Way to go. <laughs> more choices also cost us more time. We look at um, sports activities, the different travel teams, everything that, that goes into that. I mean, it costs us time. Um, social media, we talk, we're going yeah. to talk about that and say social media costs us time. We look through it all the time. Um, shopping, you can go down an aisle, the, the, the cereal aisle, and unlimited yeah. amount of choices. So um, now more than ever, we as a family, we as parents, we have to practice self-control for our kids. You know, scripture talks a lot about practicing self-control because what we believe self-control comes from discipline. Discipline doesn't happen without sacrifice and sacrifice will not happen without a deep belief that when we make this choice to be self-controlled, it'll change our family dynamics with the choices. I think also something that's challenging for families is, is toil versus leisure. You know, toil is working continuously. We went through Ecclesiastes and, and Solomon talked about he worked and worked and worked and what he, what he missed out on was family time oh, and yeah. he missed out on community. And so we can work and work and work. Um, and then fruitless, um, the leisure is fruitless escape from labor. It's a kind of rest that doesn't really restore our soul, doesn't restore our relationship with others or God. Leisure is purchased. Um, is purchased from other people who have worked to, worked to provide us with the experience of entertainment and reju rejuvenation. For example, if, um, leisure tends to be, um, and this is convicting for me, instead of going out and playing a pickup game of football, you're sitting on the couch watching football. Mm. You know, I'm a college football fan. Like, I'm I don't want to say it, but roll, roll tide. Yeah. Um, I'm a college football fan. And so I can watch football for hours. But is that really healthy? That, that should be limited. And, and I should look other places to find rest mm. instead of leisure. Mm. Leisure, I'm watching somebody else work. Rest is uh, I'm practicing that without watching somebody else do it. So. And you saw like there's there's benefits to social media, and oh, yeah. like diving into that, sure. it's kind of kind of a similar thing. It's like there's 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 benefits to that. Just the communication, the access to information, yeah. um, good learning resources and tools. And so um, we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of deal, but we want to help our kids learn to use those tools right appropriately. Exactly. We have um, to set, and spend that time you're appropriately. About setting, setting boundaries, yeah. and what I, I think we have to be in their social space before they permanently move out of our physical physical space. Mm, that's good, right? Yeah. We have to know what's going on. We have to um, watch what they're doing because it sends a signal when we're watching what they're doing. We may not catch everything. Mm -hmm. Granted. But when we're watching, it, it sends a signal that, that how we act and respond on social media is, is important. Mm -hmm. um, encourage, um, you know, we, we've got to encourage the right kind of social media usage because they're going to do it. But we've got to encourage the right kind of, and, and we need to address things that need to be corrected. No. You will never know what you don't know. So that's... You've got to take time to understand the culture that your kids are living in. 
in order to best parent them even in the teenage years. Yeah. Right. Statistically, they're going to be there before us. Um, just generationally, they, they navigate to technology faster. They adapt to it more quickly. Like every generation that comes after is faster, more exposed, and better at whatever the new form of technology is. And so it is going to take homework for parents. Yeah. It is going to take research. It is going to take conversations. Um, but never, never abdicating that role of being the person who sets the boundaries, who sets the limits, and who sets the trajectory to say, this is how we're going to use social media and also how we're not going to use social media. And so let me ask this, because social media, talking with them, that's so important. But also, how do we best talk with our kids about sex and sexual identity? Because are you talk about running out of time here? I don't know. <laughs> because those are conversations we got to have, especially in you talk about culture. Wow. I mean, the culture we're living in and the culture our kids are growing up in. So how do we best address that? And those are things that are changing. Oh, yeah. I mean, the Roman world dealt with this like crazy. Yeah. So it, none of this is new. Um, but it's changing in our lifetime. It's, it's changing on a political landscape. It's changing on a moral landscape. It's changing even on a biblical ethic landscape as more and more Christian leaders are um, in, in favor of or talking about or addressing issues that we may not be comfortable with our kids knowing about or addressing or even engaging. And so this, this idea of sex and sexuality with being a parent and raising kids um, probably needs to be its own, uh, its own MLN or its own book or its own eight-part series on all the things that we can. So at, at that point, it, it's, it's not just the Jesus answer, it's the right answer. We have to start from the very beginning helping our kids get a biblical worldview and helping them know that our ultimate authority is Scripture, not somebody's perception of Scripture, not somebody's interpretation of Scripture, but what Scripture actually says and what these words actually mean. Um, and so it, it starts with that. We're not going to give our kids a healthy view of—we're not going to give them a biblical view of sex. We're not going to give them a healthy view of sex. We're not going to give them a, an, a sexual identity that's rooted in Christ and how God created them until we first give them an understanding of the Bible is supreme mm. and that God's word is our authority. When we don't understand it, it's still our authority. When we don't like it, it's still our authority. When the world tells us something else, it's still our authority. And if we can raise kids with a worldview that wants to always go back to that as a barometer for everything, it doesn't mean they won't struggle, um, but it means they'll have that as a baseline to stick to um, no matter what. We talk a lot about not waiting until it's too late to have those conversations. You, you, you begin your conversations with um, about sex with your preschooler. And that's not talking about intimacy. That's not talking about activity. Um, that's talking about bodies. You're telling your preschool kids right. that God made your body, mm -hmm. that God's the one who decides how we use our body, and God wants us to take care of our bodies. We start right at the beginning. Jim Burns is kind of one of the fathers of family ministry, and he says that parents have to talk with their kids about sex early and often. Um, and often makes a difference because the world is sending our kids... Oh messages about sex and sexuality every day, all day. And so one birds and the bees conversation is not going right. to do it because then the world becomes the authority by sheer volume of information and the parents become secondary because we had one convo. That's not going to make a difference. The parents have to continuously engage that conversation. It's an over and over kind of take off the taboo and let this be a topic that you talk about at home so that when our kids have right. a question, 
so when they hear a vocabulary word that they're unfamiliar with, so when they start to see their friends experimenting with things that they're not comfortable with, the first person they tell is mom and dad. Yeah, that's, right. well, that's what we want. And having, you, mm. you know, having, having those smaller conversations early on, whenever it's time to have those bigger conversations, it doesn't seem like such a big conversation. A lot of us um, are afraid of the sex talk. Right? Oh, yeah. Why? It's because we probably weren't given a good example of that growing up. Right? My sex talk happened on a golf course on the first hole, and then after the first hole, we were done. (laughs) Like, it was it. it. Mine happened with a book that my dad checked out of the church library, (laughs) and then we were done. That was kind of it. You know, he read it to me. So that's what I love about having those those small conversations along the way. A stat here is more than 40% of parents never get around to talk to their kids about sex until after the kids are sexually active. Wow. More than 40%. So what we're trying to say, get ahead of the game. Yeah. Don't wait till it's too late. Um, you don't have to go. I mean, like we have a lot of stats on pornography, which we probably won't address today, but yeah. we know that kids are being exposed to that younger. Absolutely. Um, um, they're the learning average, about... Average age, um, is going down to eight now. Eight years old. And so we're thinking that we've got till our kids are 10, 11, 12 to talk to them about sex and healthy boundaries and what their bodies are made for and what this looks like. Um, but they've, chances are good that they've already been exposed to illicit content. Mm. And so we right. know that we've got to get on the game earlier in life. And so as, as a church and as a family ministry team and as you know, we've got resources to help equip parents to have those conversations along the way. And so we just want to be available to help parents win at those discussions. Hey, two, two quick things. One, give us a takeaway for being a spiritual leader in our home. Just give us one quick takeaway for what that would be. Of being intentional. That, that's mm. me. Is that you can't be a spiritual leader in your home if you're not intentional about being a spiritual leader in your home. That's strong. Absolutely. Um, you can't be a spiritual leader unless you're a spiritual follower. Like, we're not going to lead our families unless we're just following Jesus. Um, and so that, first and foremost, if we, um, if we want our kids to know Jesus, then we've got to know Jesus. If we want our kids to love the body of Christ and be a part of church, then we've got to love the body of Christ and be a part of church. If we want our kids to serve others, we've got to serve others. Like, so all of, all of the things that we want in them, we've got to—Chase talked about that already—we've got to model those things. And we model those things by being good followers. Um, and Paul did us a favor in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't just telling them, hey, you guys need to follow Jesus. He was saying, follow me and I'll show you how. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, following Jesus means having other good godly men in our lives that are teaching us how to follow Jesus or yeah. mentors, guys that we can learn from and, you know, their successes and their failures. Like we just, we need to be following Jesus so that our families will. Right. And this is another thing is that we... As, as dads, we're protectors. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We want to protect our kids. We're, we're going to fight for them. And here's the thing. We miss. We miss connection. We're, we're about protection, but sometimes we miss the connection that we can have with our kids and connecting them with on, on a relational level and helping them understand um, who Jesus is. Um, you know, we got the protection down. Like, we, we're, we're defender, we're defender, we're defender. But when it comes to connecting to a level, uh, on their level, and helping them grow um, in their relationship with Jesus, that, that, that goes kind of down to their level and helping yeah. them 
um, meet them where they are, you know. Mm. And, and if the studies and the truths that we understand from God's word are right, which I think they are, if connecting with an earthly dad makes it easier to connect with a heavenly one, then that right, right there makes a difference. Yeah. So. Well, what do you guys, what do you want your legacy to be? We knew you were going to ask that. Well, uh, <laughs> ask it uh, early. Uh, that Second Chronicles moment where, mm. um, you know, over and over, we did a study on kings a couple years ago, and, um, yeah. and the Bible just talks over and over, like, there's all these kings of Israel, there's all these kings of Judah, and there's a common sentence that's said about every single one of them, and it changes up. Like, this is a king who did right in the Lord's sight, this is a king who did evil in the Lord's sight. Mm. Um, and there's a series of kings, like Joash and a couple others that come after him, um, right in Second Chronicles, where just over and over again, a king did right in the Lord's sight, and then his son did right in the Lord's sight like he did, and then his son's son did right. And, and they all had problems, and they all made mistakes, and every one of them had some little wicked hiccup along the way, which we do, and our kids will too. Um, but at the end of the day, I want that legacy to be, Lily Kate did what was right in That's the right. Lord's sight. Mm. Simon followed Jesus all the days of his life. Mm. Um, and I know that that's, that's our greatest legacy. And so if, if that can be said about me later in life, he followed Jesus. Um, and then can in turn be said about our kids later in life. We follow Jesus. It doesn't matter what else we do. That's, yeah. a, that's a legacy for me. For me, I'm a, I go back to Deuteronomy 6. Mm-hmm. I go back to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Impress them on your children. My, I pray that, that Kit grows to know and love Jesus. And that, that whenever, um, you know, I, we, I say it all the time to parents that um, we're not interested in graduating um, nice or good kids. Mm-hmm. That's a byproduct of we're interested in graduating students who are passionate about Jesus. Mm. Love that. And, and so that's my, what my legacy, um, I want my legacy to be about is just passing down, hopefully, what they see in me is that um, I've tried to love the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I fail. Um, and then showing grace through it um, in life. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Think we got time for a question? Yeah, let's get this one in real quick because um, it kind of goes in a different direction of parenting. Uh, I have experienced parenting that wasn't that I wasn't prepared for after my kids have gone off to college or moved out on their own. Any words on parenting young adults? Huh. Um, that it, it definitely doesn't stop, but it changes. Right. Um, and we know that. And we're not, we don't know that yet by experience because we're not there. Um, but in a sense, we've been there. Mm-hmm. And like we knew that, you know, as, as parenting a young adult, um, I think we start to believe that, well, they're out and they're grown and they're gone. So they that makes, us. they don't need us yeah. as much anymore. Um, well, your preschooler needs you in a way that's unique. Um, your third grader needs you in a way, hopefully your third grader doesn't need you the way that your three-year-old did. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got to, the, the first step is to evaluate what are their needs? Um, what do they still need to learn and how can I model that? Um, what do they still need access to and how can I provide that? Um, even if that means learning things the hard way and limiting access to resources and help so that they can grow up and flee the nest in a new way. I mean, I think as parents, we've got to figure out what are their needs, um, and, and how can we continue to meet them, even if that means not meeting them for a season. So it's just, 
it's realizing that your parenting just changes because your role changes based on what their needs are at any given stage in your life. Mm. Um, being a young adult is just another stage yeah. in the spectrum. Yeah, this is just real quick. I mean, your presence matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be present and available. I think those are the two keys. I mean, I look at last year. Yeah. My dad was present oh, yeah. and he was available. He said, "What, whatever you need, I want to meet that need however best I can. So, I mean, presence and availability. It's good. Well, Nick, Chase, thank you guys. I mean, this has been so good. We could do a whole, I mean, we could keep going for like hours on this. And, and I think yeah. we need to. I mean, and I honestly do because I think this is one area where our obedience impacts so many others. Oh, and yeah. it impacts generations. And we could spend all of our time at work, right? And then at the end of the day, we go, well, I'm working so hard so that I can make enough money so I can spend time with my family. And we missed it. And our That's family right. grows up, and we don't even have a relationship. Yeah. So this is the time right now. Yeah. Let me pray for us. God, thank you, thank you, thank you for today. Hey, God, I've been challenged in my own heart and life. And I thank you for Nick and for Chase and, and that they are men who follow you all their days. And I pray for every dad who's watching, uh, regardless of whether our kids are in preschool or whether our kids are 35. And I mm-hmm. pray that, God, we would be men after your heart that we would hunger for you and we would say that, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, I pray that for us. I pray we would be intentional, Lord, to really pour into this time because, um, God, at the end of the day, we want to do what's right in your eyes. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, um, help us, Father, to be the men that you have called and created us to be, godly husbands and fathers and men after your heart. Thank you for the day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks for joining us today. We'll wrap this up real quick. As a reminder, the Men's Leadership Network email will come out this afternoon with uh, the replay of this interview as well as a link to the website. A ton of content out there that's great for uh, men and especially the content from this series as we've, we've dealt with how to prepare for different issues in our lives. Uh, you don't want to miss next Thursday as we conclude this spring seminary, uh, semester. Our special guest is going to be Dr. Brad Dennis. Dr. Dennis is the assistant professor of surgery at Vanderbilt. Uh, specializing in areas of trauma surgery, emergency general surgery, surgical critical care, and we're going to be discussing how to prepare for tragedy in life. So we'll get started again with breakfast at 6.30 with 